Hi, and welcome to Daily Dose Danny. This is episode 24. Let's talk about detoxing your closet. We all need space, and decluttering can help our minds, our lifestyle, and just generally be more aware of what is in our closet. We really don't need an extra pair of shoes every month. Technically, it's nice, and yes, we all love it, but we are trying to all be more sustainable in our shopping habits as well. So very excited to speak today with um, Beatrice Talamona. She's originally from Italy, traveled to the UK, and now is based in Hong Kong. She's the founder of Closet Detox, a wardrobe designer and personal stylist with a sustainable twist. Today I'm speaking with Beatrice Talamona founder of Closet Detox, a wardrobe designer and personal stylist. Hi Beatrice and thank you for joining me. Please tell us more about yourself and your business, Closet Detox. Hi, thank you so much for having me, such an honor. Um, Yeah, so my name is Beatrice and I grew up in Italy and with that I will say that I have absorbed a lot of the notions of classical beauty and craftsmanship there. I grew up by the Lake Como. Lake Como is in the north and it was the hub of silk production back in the day. That of course was very tied into the fashion business in Milan. So it was only natural for me that I went into fashion design uh, when I was very young and then I moved to Amsterdam for my university and I studied international fashion management there because I wanted to know more about the business of fashion and that took me to London and then Hong Kong and here I worked with more fashion brands and after a, a stint in um, wholesale and production and lots of selling campaigns in Paris and Milan, I just decided to start my own closet detox business. That's amazing. So wait, what brought you from Italy to abroad? What made you decide to to come abroad in the first place? Um, I think Italy is amazing and there's a lot of um, depth with the country and the culture. But at the time, you know, I was quite young and I just wanted to see other things and I wanted to add to the design part of the fashion that I knew. Because in Italy, it's the history that a lot of design brands, you know, like Dolce & Gabbana and even Armani and all the big firms that actually started from the creative side. There's always a designer or a designer duo. And then the business comes after that. And oftentimes that's actually very tricky for the brand to survive because from the design perspective, a creator, you know, it's a talent, but he or she doesn't really know about the business. So I found that that was a challenge and I wanted to explore that. And um, it was kind of a tie between London and Amsterdam. And I thought, Amsterdam is quite interesting. I can study in English and I'm still close to So I just took that international fashion management course there and it was actually really useful. That's amazing. And how do you think the fashion compares in London and Europe versus Asia? Oh, yeah, it's completely different. It's very interesting. I think 
fashion in Europe is often more avant-garde in a, in a sense, design-wise, and also brands are very adventurous. They, it's a bit easier for them because they can survive also with a small team versus in Asia, it's much more commercial. And look, oftentimes you will have like a big production behind and quantities are usually much bigger. And so um, the scale is different. Therefore, the design has to be a little bit more simple um, to reach a broader audience, commercially speaking. So that's probably one of the main differences that I encounter but it's interesting to see how it has been changing and a lot of the environmental factors have you know influenced also new brands in Asia yeah I mean I don't personally know much about European fashion I've only lived in Asia for a decade um, so yeah but that's interesting I didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so part of the journey is obviously defining what matters most to you and what line of work you would you sort of want to build your passion. So what was your process in defining your core values and passion and driving the idea that you had into an actual business? Yeah, that's a great question. And easy, I think it was definitely a process. Yeah, for sure. And if I think back up until... 2018 I had been working for very high-paced companies in uh, in Hong Kong and I was traveling every other month to either visit stores in Asia or to do selling campaigns in Paris and Milan and of course at the beginning that was amazing interesting and exciting but after a few years of you know permanent jet lag inexistent personal life or constant like stress levels were very high I just started to see many negative sides to the industry as well and sort of my pink color glasses fell off and I just became very concerned about the waste and the contradicting messages of the sustainability in in the fashion industry so I just had to start asking myself some serious questions and Especially when I became pregnant with my son, I started to think like really long and hard about what I would tell him after my like eight weeks maternity leave at the time. It was just eight weeks. And, you know, I was telling myself stories in my head. Like I would tell him, mommy is going to work. Um, she's going to work day and night to enrich a company that seeing bags and shoes and exploiting animals and resources of this herd, like creating waste and polluting the planet you would be left with. <laughs> like, I just had a very pessimistic view at that point. And surely that had to do with the time of my life I was in, but it just didn't sit well with me. And I, I started to think that maybe I could make it work a little longer and keep working in the fashion industry like that. And, you know, save up and then think about my next move. So that was kind of my um, my idea at the time. But, of course, life always has different plans for us. And um, now, looking back, it was, I'm grateful, you know, but it was a pivotal moment when the company actually that I was working for until... 
24 hours before my water broke, you know, suddenly they left the country without giving me any notice. And so that just really switched my plans quite quickly. And um, yeah, as I said, I think now looking back, this wrongful termination was maybe the best thing that happened to me or in my career at least. And it gave me sort of the permission to get to know myself on a deeper level. And that's how I was actually able to define my values. So if I didn't have that opportunity, I wouldn't be able to sit here and today and like know for sure what my values are, you know? So yeah, I guess it reinforcing me the thought that I cared more about the people rather than the products. And it showed me how it like balance in life is really important. And of course, just solidified my sustainability um, sort of practices by avoiding, like I was avoiding then to buy all these brands that I work for. I was like kind of boycotting them because I was just so upset. But that forced me to discover some different brands and you know again I'm grateful for that and of course I you know let's not forget like the support of your group of friends like my my friends and my partner my family everyone was sort of supporting me in this little journey of finding myself and um, yeah through that I just started to mm, drive my core values into a into a viable business and you know, doing a financial plan and, and everything. So that kind of, kind of sums it up a little bit there for you. That's amazing. I think that's such a good lesson you mentioned there where sometimes bad things happen for us, but through that, we're able to discover ourselves or, or go the path we were meant to find. Um, yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I think that's super important. And that's amazing that you did that and dealt with that and was able to find yourself while actually becoming a mom at the same time and I think like you say that really opens up your mind to what type of legacy do you want to leave behind and other decisions you're making feasible for your your child's future as well it sort of changes your perspective yes it really changed it like 360 degrees for me it was, <laughs> yeah. It was a big one. yeah and and you mentioned that you you obviously started shifting to other brands um, I personally don't know a lot of other sustainable brands out there. What what would you suggest are some of your top favorite sustainable brands that you think people should be supporting? I think it's important to look not only at the brand itself, but also at the production process, because the production process is one of the things that makes the brand unsustainable. So, of course, um, even though it's nice that brands are trying to, you know, go green and do like uh, conscious collections and all this kind of, you know, um, move towards a more sustainable fashion. I think it's actually very difficult, if not impossible for like a fast fashion brand to go green, you know, because that would mean they have to change completely their production line. And I don't think they're about to do that necessarily. Um, their cost will change and the whole brand will change. So it's not realistic. But um, I think, for example, for us in Hong Kong, it's important to buy local, for example, that's a sustainable practice, because at least 
you know, we're not going to sort of use all this extra energy for brands to ship to us things that are actually, you know, probably made in China and then flew to, they fly to LA and then they come back to Hong Kong for us. Like that's a huge triangle that is really unnecessary. So buying local is one of the, the things that I would suggest. And there are a lot of like nice little brands in Hong Kong now. I actually really like this brand that is called Tov and Libra. And um, yeah, they are produced locally. It's quite simple. Um, the materials are sustainable. They mostly use natural fibers and their production line is also sustainable because it's here nearby and it's small and it's you know coming from a family that has been in manufacturing for generation. And now the daughter is taking it over and making it even more sustainable. So I'm happy to find brands like that. And if not, you know, I understand that some people still like to um, maybe wear more luxury brands. Then I always suggest buy secondhand. And we have some amazing resellers in Hong Kong, like join the Hula, you know. Hula does resell um, luxury fashion brands. But since they've been either used before or some, some things are still new, you know, with the tag on, but they just put them back into the market and that keeps fashion circular and then keeps it into, you know, this cycle where it doesn't go to waste, to landfill. If, if an owner doesn't want to have that, you know, Hermes bag anymore, she can just sell it and someone else can use it. So that's another really good option or some other um, some other uh, resellers like the on the list, for example. Similarly, their practices are sustainable because what they do is just buy in bulk some stock that has been unsold, you know, left unsold from bigger brands. And that stock would otherwise go to landfill. It would just piling a mountain of clothes somewhere where our eyes cannot see it but you know it's it's here it's on our planet so if we then go buy it on the list for example the, the things that we buy then they go in our wardrobe they don't go on landfill so that's another sustainable practice even though of course originally those clothes were not produced in a sustainable way particularly but if we keep them you know, in our fashion wardrobe for longer, then of course we save them from the landfill. But, you know, I don't want to promote shopping more just to save clothes from the landfill. It's just if you need something, then there are different ways you can you can find these pieces that you need, right? So, yeah, that's what I always suggest to my friends yeah. or clients, yeah. That, that's great. I definitely know on the list and Hula, I've been to both um, and I think they're such great. Not about encouraging, but just choosing the right people if you do need something. Um, yeah. I totally agree. I think we all need a closet detox because as women especially, we can just shop and shop and, and keep collecting things <laughs> and throwing a lot away and it's, yeah. <laughs> we really do need to change our mindset on that for sure. Yeah, that's it. 
Um, so what have you enjoyed the most about starting and driving your own business and which parts have been the most challenging for you? Right. So, of course, I've definitely have enjoyed being able to have a life aside from my work. And uh, it's also probably because I genuinely love what I do that I find joy in my like day to day with my clients. But of course, it helps to have a flexible schedule, especially, you know, if you have a young child. So I yeah, that's that's a big one, you know, but mostly I have to say I enjoy knowing that what I'm what I'm doing as a job is actually making a difference in my client's life. So before, it, you know, I, I couldn't see the end results. I was a lot of the time either working in an office or working with buyers. So I will never see the end, the, the final client purchasing something and, you know, having a happy face. And now it's completely the opposite. I can get to see my client's reaction when, when I show them what I've done with their wardrobe. And that's just, yeah, that's just really, I don't know, it makes me feel really good. So in an egoistic way, I think that is one of my favorite parts, just to see how confident and happy they feel. And when they realize how amazing they look, for example, with an outfit that they never thought of, of putting together, it's just the best feeling. So... Oh, and on top of that, now I can tell my son, you know, instead of like my pessimistic answer that I had in my head before, now I can actually tell him, I can tell him, mommy's going to work to, you know, help other women like look or feel like goddesses and mommy is going to declutter and organize their wardrobe so that they can have uh you know, a, a free and stress-free morning when they decide what to wear before going to their work. And I don't know, mom, mommy is attempting to share and promote a circular fashion so that we don't make things worse for the planet. <laughs> and yeah, I just like that I can now confidently, confidently say these kind of things to an actual little person so yeah that makes me feel really good um in terms of challenges yes there are of course a lot of challenges working for yourself and starting something it's just not easy in general because at the beginning especially if you don't have like a team and you come from a job where you had a team obviously you have to do everything on your own and um, like my forte is what I do with the closet de detoxing and styling and everything like dealing with, with the clients in person but for example like keeping up with social media for me is, is quite the struggle like it takes a lot of time as I'm sure everyone knows and yeah, it's I, it's not my 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 forte. It's definitely a bit of a challenge, and I can seem I cannot put the same amount of time into the social media that I would into an actual job like a closet de detoxing. So it's it's another person's job. But at this point, I'm not there yet where I will hire someone else to do my social media. So I kind of have to juggle that. Um, so yeah I mean 2020 was a bit helpful in that sense because having some 
downtime um, helped me to, you know, deepen my knowledge with Instagram and other social medias. But yeah, still a work in progress for me, this one. Yeah, I think that's that's part of the challenge, right? When you do your own thing, you have to have multiple hats and be able to do multiple yes. things. And that's not always easy because obviously we have the things we love to do and the things that are a bit more challenging because it's unfamiliar. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> so along the way, what are the top five things you wish you knew when you started your business that you have learned now? Right. Top five. Okay. I wish I knew. Um, I wish I knew it was going to work. So I could have saved the time I spent like worrying about it. And um, yeah, if someone told me, don't worry, it's going to work out amazingly, then, you know, I wouldn't stress so much at the beginning. Gosh, am I being crazy trying to do this? Like people won't pay for it. You know, I had a lot of self-doubt at the beginning, but yeah, definitely number one, I wish I knew it was going to work so I could just do it and stop <laughs> worrying from the get-go. Um, the second one, I th- I would say what I've learned is that working from home really doesn't work for me. Like the importance of finding the right environment to work from is really crucial. And now I know so now I'm okay with that. But the beginning was I just tried so many different things and it just wasn't wasn't working. And especially during the pandemic when we had to stay home and work from home. Oh, that was that was a big struggle. <laughs> so yeah, that's one. And then number three, I would say that I've now learned that perfection is not progress. That means Like I spent so much time at the beginning trying to make my website perfect and my Instagram feed look perfect, like quote unquote perfect, while I should have just started publishing things and, you know, perfection is not progress and progress is just the journey. So you just keep going and you will tweak things along the way. And yeah, that was a big lesson (laughs) and I just spent so much time at the beginning and I, yeah, I was so sad in my ways. I really wish I knew that. Um, I think then another thing that I wish I knew was the importance of finding the right childcare formula. That is obviously very pertinent to my situation, but if you are a mom, you... Or if you maybe have like furry pet, like furry friends, then you just need to find the right formula that allows you to work with total freedom. It's horrible to be out working on something important for you and then having this in the back of your mind thinking, oh my gosh, is he fine? Is he okay? Like I should have, I should come back. I should, you know, that is just, so unnecessary and actually in Hong Kong we're so lucky to have so many different options for childcare that I just wish I had done it earlier so yeah that's very specific but it was yeah again a big one for me and the last one I think it's now something that I'm still learning but um 
I would say it's to be able to keep a flexible formula that allows you to evolve when your business evolves and pivot with it. Because if there's something that 2020 taught us is that we have to keep being flexible and keep changing. If something in the environment we are changes, then we mostly have to change our business a little bit with it. So that's not easy, but I think it's definitely really important. Yeah. Those are such good tips. I think every female um, entrepreneur I've spoken with have said that the self-doubt is the hardest, as you Mm, say. It's just believing in yourself and imposter syndrome and just constantly second-guessing, am I doing the right thing? And, And just, you know, I think that's why having such a good community around us that encourages us, family or friends, really helps because unfortunately we do all struggle with the imposter syndrome and the self-doubt that comes with our ideas um so that was very very good points yeah definitely and I think you know depends what who people have different ways to deal with that right it's it's obviously very personal to you because you're self-doubting yourself of course but For me, what I found really helps is also just meditating or taking some time off for myself and, you know, observe that thought of self-doubt. And it's normal. Everyone has that. It comes in. Oh, okay, cool. Interesting. It's not actually the truth. And then just let it be. Because, you know, if we think back, if humanity had stopped at self-doubt, we wouldn't have wheels or fire or anything. So, of course, self-doubt exists and it's there, but it doesn't have to stop us. That is so true. That is very, very true. I think we all need to remember that, you know, I think there's so many good ideas out there um, and it's Mm -hmm. the ideas that people don't believe in that don't become true. You know, it's about keeping that belief in yourself and, and pushing that dream forward. Um, yes that that's the best way very good advice so <laughs> as part of your sort of journey um in developing your business what what are some of the main services you offer and who are your ideal clients um how do you improve and what are some tips that you can provide our listeners to start their closet detox right yes so my idea client is just someone who is ready to take charge over her life. Of course, most of my clients have been women. You know, I had a couple of men and that was really interesting. But as women, we are more intuitive. So it just makes sense that a lot of my clients are women. But a woman who is tired of feeling stressed and overwhelmed in her own space, in her wardrobe or in her apartment... um, is a woman who is ready and willing to know herself and learn how to be the best version of herself. That is my ideal client because it's amazing to work with women who are ready for this change. And I, you know, I often have um, consultation with people and I say, look, if you don't feel ready for this, then let's do it another time because you have to be ready. It's a very transformational or transformative process. Basically, what I do is I help to solve and improve 
um, wardrobe clutter issues, but also personal style issues. So I would say that often as women have to wear many hats, like you mentioned, right? We are career women, we are mom, we're partners, we are friends, and we are maybe sports enthusiasts and so on. So sometimes all these aspects of ourselves blend seamlessly into a personal style, but sometimes we struggle on how to translate all these different parts of ourselves and translate them in terms of what to wear and what looks good on us. So that's what I can help with. And um, some tips I often suggest to my clients are, first of all, knowing yourself is the most important thing. Without knowing yourself, it's just going to be really hard. Like it's just gonna be really challenging to define your style. So um, to find what works for your wardrobe organization, you also have to know yourself because if you don't know yourself, you don't know your style, you're not going to know what works in your wardrobe organization. You know what I mean? It's all connected. So just start maybe asking yourself some questions, ask your friends or you could, yeah, like you can ask your friends how they see you or your partners, like people that you trust, ask them, what do they think of you as a persona? What kind of person they, they would say that you are? And then see if you agree with those kind of adjectives or labels. And then you can start looking for inspirational pictures, maybe maybe making like a, a Pinterest board or a collage. And then you can put that, you can print that, you can put that in your wardrobe door. And then every time you open your wardrobe, you just remind yourself of the style you're going for, like the person you you are and also the person you want to be. And that's going to be so much easier to put together an outfit you know and then it's that's just the beginning then it's gonna be part of you is gonna be very natural you're not gonna need to have like pinterest boards <laughs> pasted all over your house forever but it's a good start and it's very interesting to see the difference between what you think you need in your wardrobe for example like before doing a wardrobe detox um you know some people say oh like i have no jeans and nothing fits me and and then we do a wardrobe detox and or a styling session and we actually realize what you really need in your wardrobe and it's sometimes completely different like you only need a white tank top and that's it (laughs) so yeah that's that's basically what I do (laughs) yeah that's amazing I, I think yeah that that makes a lot of sense that you first need to understand yourself and your lifestyle and sometimes we have so much in our cupboard we just need a fresh perspective yeah on how to wear it and use it um, and I think that really helps yeah like a fresh set of eyes really helps and sometimes it also helps if the person is neutral and doesn't really know you and then she can tell you you know actually I think this will look great on you and maybe you never really thought about it at all. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, So tell me, initially, obviously, you had this idea. How long did it take from the idea to actually creating a thriving business where you were able to get your first few clients? Yeah, well, at the beginning, I was actually off to a good start because when I really started, so let's say like, 
2018 was just very, very early incubation period. So I wouldn't really count that too much. 2019 is really when I started. And I started off on a bit of a high because, you know, I was very excited and full of energy. And I just just spread the, the word. I started with just like friends and then, you know, word of mouth was working great. And then 2020 arrived. And that was just hard. It was hard to guesstimate like the next month's income. So it became very inconsistent during 2020, especially the first like seven months or so. And so I think I would say it took about a year to start seeing some financial stability. And, you know, I think that's why at the beginning I really would have preferred to have or like to keep my nine to five let's say nine to five it was more like eight to eleven but my like 24 hours (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's easier to have in a way of course you're gonna be super tired but in a way it's easier to have your office job let's say while you start your your passion job and your you know your dream job your startup or whatever we want to call it right because then at least you won't have any financial pressure on you to make you know that it's gonna maybe put some stress over certain decisions that you're gonna have to make at the beginning because you have to set everything up but you know even without that just know that it's going to take a while and either have some savings aside or you know make some kind of plan so that you don't have to make financial decisions that are maybe not the best for your actual business but you're just making them because you need money or something like that you know so yeah just take your time I would say and don't rush it and you know with that yes it took a while I would say it took at least about a year but after that I started to see some great results and maybe some of my best moments have been the few months like in the beginning of 2021 because not only I was able to significantly increase the revenue but I also was able to collaborate with some really great um, like brands and organizations that I'm really proud of you know I, I did some women in business workshop with the Spanish Chamber of Commerce and I work with PACT. I don't know if you have heard of them. It's a clothing and accessory storage service that also offers like a digital wardrobe system like the movie Clueless, you know, where she has like the digital wardrobe. So it's kind of like a dream for me, you know. I I love that. And yeah, it, I don't think it would have been possible to do that at the beginning if I was only thinking like money, 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 you know, and you have to put that aside when you're starting something. It's it's your passion. It might not work. And just do a financial plan first and give yourself time and then draw the line when you have to draw the line, I would say. Like, I'm a very realistic person in that sense. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's very good advice. I think you're right. If you're under less financial pressure, you can take your time. Um, if you have the the luxury of having a day job and working on your, your passion project. Yeah. 
So you mentioned in the beginning that you found that you really didn't work well working from home. <laughs> so <laughs> what was your solution um, on getting office space or co-working spaces in Hong Kong? What have you tried and what do you think worked? And any tips for anyone looking? Yeah, that's a good question. Look, I tried my fair share of things and solutions. And yeah, ultimately working from home would have been great. But I think as as a lot of us know, Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong's apartment are, you know, a bit tight, to say the least, and the walls are not very thick. So it depends what job you, you, you do. But for me, I had to do a lot of video calls and it just didn't work. I, I just couldn't focus. I, I, every corner I would look at, it's something I have to put on my to-do list. It was just very, like, non-efficient for me so I just tried different things I tried some coffee shops and I and there are some really good ones I love working from a cafe but you know of course in the end you're just gonna spend like more money because a matcha latte here a lunch there I'm just gonna have a lemonade and just keep going and then by the end of the day I just spent like 350 Hong Kong dollars and I mean, it was just a cafe and then I have to go home and that's it. That money is gone. So I just started to look for some different co-working spaces in Hong Kong. I thought, oh, maybe that's a good solution. I mean, that money I'm spending anyways, if I work from a cafe, so might as well put it into something that is working in my favor. And I just checked out different things. But the one that I really found that I love and the one I settled on is actually um, called Banyan it's in Quarry Bay and I love like appreciation now for Banyan workspace because I just love their sustainability practices and that's what I vibed with so I mean there's no I don't think there is another co-working space that focuses so much on sustainability and uh, everything they do, like really they design the space with sustainability in mind that have compost, recycling, reusable, like they source fair trade coffee, like everything, you know. And I mean, I don't even drink coffee, but I just love that they do that. And then they also uh, work with organizations that are here, non-profit in Hong Kong. And the percentage of every membership fees goes to support these organizations, which I think is just amazing because I, you know, I will spend that money on a on a tea, and of course I'll be you know supporting a local coffee shop. But now I can support an actual no profit, which you know obviously they need it more than the coffee shop. So I'm just really happy, and again, this aligns with my values, right? So my tip for anyone who is looking for a, for a different um, space to work from is just make sure that it aligns with your values because you're just going to be so much happier, you know? If a cafe aligns with your values, then that's perfect place for you, you know? If working from home aligns with your values, then that's perfect place for you. But yeah, for me, it's definitely Banyan workspace that aligns with my values. And I'm just so happy to be able to support them, you know. 
That's amazing. I've actually never heard of Bunyan um, co-working space. So I'll definitely research that. But yeah, I think oh, I agree with you. Like any brand or company that what they do and what their values are, if it aligns with yours and you're more inclined to support them. Yes. And I think that's why CSR programs are so important because if brands make that more visible, then it's better or easier to find their tribe and the right people they want to attract. Yes, exactly. So... Yeah, it just makes me feel so good to be able to do that as well. And that is something that, you know, again, maybe at the beginning, I wouldn't have wanted to have a fixed cost. But now I think it's definitely the best investment I could make. Yeah, exactly. I think you feel good with spending your money with him because, you know, it's going for a good cause. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So to wrap up, do you have anything to add? Do you have any events coming up or any new products or anything you want to add before we wrap up? Um, I don't have any events that I can think of. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I thought if it's not too cheesy, I'm going to share a quote that, you know, helps me sometimes. And it is from Nelson Mandela, nonetheless. It says, it always seems impossible until it's done. That is a great quote. I thought it would fit. <laughs> yes. Also, I'm from South Africa. so <laughs> oh, Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I do love that quote from Nelson Mandela. That's a great way to wrap up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and also, did you have any questions for me before we oh, yeah. close off? Right, right. Yes. Um, I thought I'll pick your brain because, as I mentioned, I tend to get caught up with self-doubt when it comes to social media. So maybe you'll have any tips on how to keep it efficient with Instagram and you know, my website is very basic, but still maybe you have some tips on how to push through it. Yeah, sure. So, well, normally what I do is I go research some competitors, right? So mm -hmm. go have a look at people that are doing something similar and whose Instagram you like. And then go look through what they do and the things they talk about and then see what is relevant to you and relevant to your brand and then get some ideas, basically. And then what I would normally do is I would write out what I should be talking about every day of the week. So I know Mondays, I really want to talk about brands, sustainable brands to support. Tuesdays, I want to maybe give um, detox closet tips. Wednesdays, maybe I'm going to share my favorite sustainable quote. Thursdays, maybe I'm going to share uh, a DIY home organizing something. And Fridays, maybe I'll share my newest service with my, my customers. And then you do that every week, right? And you have a, a consistency because the more consistent you are with what you're saying, the more people understand what you offer and the consistency builds the brand. So now mm. you know what you need to talk about every day of the week and every month, and you can plan ahead. So you can go save quotes, you can go save things, you can know what photos to take so that you can easily just have a calendar going every, every day or however often you want to post. Um, so that would yeah. be my one tip. And then secondly, I would say that, um, you know, just 
just try to again one plan ahead and two partnerships like when you have these partnerships you need to talk about it um because when you are working with different companies and you tag them and you share that with people you're increasing who you are reaching right. so it's important that you you share that and and one good way is obviously to write blogs because blogs will help drive traffic back to your website because you're using certain topics to drive keywords mm. yeah um yeah so that would be one to help with a website and then also when you are posting on on Instagram remember your bio has the link to your website so be sure to update and use that link often so when you post say for instance about your new service you mm-hmm. say check out the link in the bio and you make sure you update the link to go to the specific page so always right. help to sometimes drive back to your website or your particular service can really help as well Yeah, that's great. Those are great tips actually. That's very good. Um I love the the idea of a calendar because that taps into my organization um geekiness. So I, I love a good that. calendar. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good calendar. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Sure. Um and then my only other question would be something a little bit different. I am um, So in the near future I'm going to focus a bit of my energy in some online resources for my clients. So I'm wondering what are your tips for mostly in person you know I'm an in person service I offer in person service. So how do I successfully launch some online resources like downloadables and ebooks for example that are not you know that's very different it's kind of it is what i do but it's now going to be online instead of in person obviously i have to like tweak a few things but do you do you reckon that's possible and do you have some tips for that yeah for sure i think obviously the world has changed very much um online and a lot of people mm. offering great resources and resources become a great way to also promote your services mm-hmm. so if for example you wanted to do an online um closet detox um service right where people can reach you from around the world and you offer like a, a hour or two session for x amount Mm-hmm. Um I think that's a great way to to reach more people but also just clearly define what they're paying for and then you need to promote it right so yeah. normally what people do is they would um you know do a mini Instagram TV story and announce they're going to be offering this maybe do the first five sessions free get people to write reviews and then start charging um so it's it's a slow yeah. process because you're going to have to test it out and see uh what are people willing to pay for if it is only a video call and you can't actually see them like and be there um what exactly are you offering so it's going to be a a test um process for you and obviously yeah. how you're going to launch it you're going to have to plan that out um and then i would also say if you're going to be writing ebooks and different resources again resources help for driving traffic so mm-hmm. one are you going to start writing blog posts and then in the blog post about whatever topic you're writing you can have a link maybe to your downloadable ebook are you doing it for free are you charging i don't know um you know and then are you going to first do it for free you can also utilize your email database so if you have a, a long list of emails 
uh, our subscribers, then you can start emailing them and be like, hey, guys, I'm offering this new service. Um, these are, here's a free downloadable book for you. Um, you know, so it, it depends on what your what your goal is with the resources. Will it be a paid service? Is it free things you're just offering clients to get additional exposure? Yeah, no, those are great. Those are great pointers, actually. And I think, um, yeah, definitely to have like a little focus group or um, test trial with with my followers would be great. I'm sure they'll be happy to get a free detox. Exactly. And it also helps yeah. you test the market because um, I think these are yeah. good questions because you might think you know what they need, but maybe yeah. you get some really good advice from them. Yeah, definitely. No, that's a really good. That's a really good idea. Thank you so much. Thank you, Beatrice, for sharing your startup story. It was very inspiring to hear your journey as an entrepreneur and how you've developed your passion into a thriving business. Very excited to be hosting a giveaway with Beatrice, so please follow along on our social media. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook, and please support us by subscribing to the channel. We would really appreciate it. I will also link Beatrice's details into the podcast description, so please uh, support her business here in Hong Kong and give her a follow. And yes, I hope I, everyone was as inspired as I was today by her story. And thanks again for listening.